It says we're live. Are we live? Can you hear me? Can you see me? Please let me know in the comments if you can hear me okay, if you can see me okay, if your computer is on. Let me know. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today I have a very special set of guests. Uh, Patrick and Liv run the Maki vlog channel on YouTube. And I wanted to reach out because the EV transition is is impacting a lot of people. It's not just a Tesla thing. It's an everybody. It's an everybody thing. So I really wanted to reach out and start really building some bridges with other communities to hear their perspectives about their ownership uh, with their EVs, how they see the EV landscape moving forward, their experiences in the real life, what they think of other car companies and things like that, and just keeping the the conversation very very loose. So thank you so much for joining me. I want to welcome our very special guests, Patrick and Liv. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's good to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to get the conversation going and I always forget to turn off the stupid music. I'm so bad at this. Here we go. <laughs> I always got like, what, sometimes I have like the music on in the background and I forget. It's like in my ear, I'm like, what is that song? Oh yeah, it's from my stream. Duh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so for those that are not familiar with your channel, maybe I, I spend a few seconds or, or a couple minutes to just walk us through your channel, make sure you plug your socials and all that good stuff and uh, sort of what your what your channel covers. Sure. So um, we didn't really like plan this out uh, during the pandemic is when I put in our order for the Maki. It was like uh, June 28th, 2020. I just made a video about that. I called it Maki vlog because I thought like, hey, I'll just document our process of ordering and getting the Maki. Um, and it sort of took off, you know, and as you guys probably all know, there's there's a ton of interest in EVs and there's a ton of like Tesla people. And I went out, oops, stuff is falling. Uh, I went out and, you know, I like, I saw other Tesla people doing this. I was like, hey, that could actually be fun and cool. So we'll we'll sort of do some of what they do. Um, and it's been great. We we got our Maki March of 2021. We started documenting like our road trips, uh, just everyday experiences with that. But we also sort of branch out and we take a look at other EVs. This past weekend, we went to a, a really cool event that we're editing the video for, but it was, uh, an EV conversion expo. So it was like a 65 Mustang and a Corvair and some old Chevy pickup trucks that they converted to EV. And a brat. And it's, yeah, so. a, a brat. <laughs> so yeah, just really awesome vehicles. And it's sort of fun because like we get to dive into all of this stuff and it's, uh, it's a really cool community. And as we were talking about before we went live, you know, we, we can sometimes get into this Twitter world and YouTube comment world where there's this like toxicity but we love the fact that we get out there and we see other EV owners, whatever brands, and we get excited. Like when, uh, you know, when there was a plaid that rolled up on Saturday at the retro EV event, like everybody just went and gathered around the <laughs> because we, you know, we're all electric fans. So it's, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we try to be active on Instagram and Twitter. I'm on there a lot, I, you know, Forgive me if I've gotten into a battle with you over whatever hmm. dispute. Uh, <laughs> but we're on there as Machi Vlog, M-A-C-H-E underscore vlog. Uh, same on Instagram. We we try to uh, engage with people, and uh, you know we'll we'll combat you know some of the fud, but we will also try to engage. And um, you know had a had a battle like last week with the Tesla fan, and they're in SoCal, so I'm like, well, hey, we're going out there for a fully charged. Uh, fully charged live next month. Can we, can we meet? Can we, you know, just say hello? Because I find that mm -hmm. that breaks down a lot of those barriers. 
Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think the, the we'll talk, again, like we we're talking about it before, that the real life experience of the EV community is very different than the online experience of the EV community. I always see like the division. And, and the one thing, I was talking to one of my friends yesterday, like there's been this trend in society. I don't know if what it is, but like you can see the division, like division is really driving all the conversation. And then um, I'm, I'm here on the Tesla side and and I'm like, okay, so like we're all like bitching and whining about how division's bad. And then I'm seeing like certain dynamics appear within even our own community. I'm like, okay, guys, like we, we got to be better than this. We have to we have to do a better job of really becoming uh, really one people. Like let's let's share our interests, let's share what what we like, uh, but let's do it in a respectful and, and peaceful manner. And and that's what I always experience in person always experience that in person. And yeah, I, I'm hoping that this conversation can sort of uh, bring this uh, to light as well on the internet and on Twitter, probably not Twitter because Twitter is a freaking <laughs> war zone in there, but, uh, but as much as we can, right? So uh, again, I really appreciate you uh, uh, accepting the invitation and coming on. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the discussion. Um, Liv, you and I were talking a little bit before before the stream that uh, you know we were talk, talking about the guitars, and uh, you t- talked about how you've you've been doing some musical stuff as well on, in your life. Maybe talk a little bit about that too, so people can get to know you. Maybe uh, talk a little bit about yourselves as well, if you don't mind. Oh goodness! Well, I wish my musical career was actually a career like yours as a <laughs> cover band. Uh, no, I just grew up with music, and it was a passion of mine, and. Uh, like we were saying before, that stuff that sort of falls by the wayside as I've entered the workforce and uh, very focused. So uh, I think you said the word re-engage, which was really, you're re-engaging with your passions and your hobbies. And um, maybe that's one of the things you really like about EV stuff is that we're engaged together and it's, it's definitely turned into a passion and hobby. So um, we should throw a guitar in the car. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Together. We're, we're (laughs) sort of, uh, slightly famous because or actually she is because every every time we go on a road trip we always put a hula hoop in the back and <laughs> we're charging and people are like well what do you do when you're charging i was like well she hula hoops and so it's, that's, that's awesome i would say known for the hula known hoop for it, yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i mean if you're standing around at a charging station it's not that long but i kind of want to move so throw a hula hoop right in but yeah. i think that's like music and creativity is having a little whimsy in your life so Let's, let's yeah. do that. Put a guitar in it. <laughs> we could do uh, like EV charging concerts. Ooh, okay. That <laughs> yeah. be something I'm far away from now, so he'll have to come with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. I'll bring my amp and everything. It'll be Sweet. freaking awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, that is one of my dreams, actually. <laughs> EV powered show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, like that's the one thing I've always it's becoming a trend and a bigger point of discussion because I've sort of like, like, for example, within the Tesla community, there's been like a little bit of talk about, you know, how, you know, the Electrify America has stations, supercharger stations for Tesla. And there's been discussions around why don't we turn these uh, supercharger stations into like, you know, Elon Musk has talked about doing a a retro restaurant, you know, but Mm -hmm. but like, why wouldn't you offer Mm -hmm. options or, or things for people to do while they charge, even if it's a 20 minute charge, or if it's an hour charge, who cares? That opens up an opportunity for people to be, you know, make it more communal and make it something that, that people can come together. So it almost feels like this uh, transition is opening opening up a potential door for stuff like that. So like what you're discussing could very well become reality in, in some form, you know? Yeah, it's I interesting think, to think um, about. like we, we've, we've sort of talked about it, like, you know, as we've talked to other EV people, um, you know, charging stations, supercharger 
uh, locations. They're, you know, some of them are in great spots, but a lot of them, you know, of course, EA, there are a lot of them are at Walmarts. And it's like, I don't think that's, you know, or I hope that's not where they end up always being. And it's like, I think mm-hmm. there is some type of business model that's going to be out there where it is, whether it's a lounge or some type of entertainment or, or whatnot. But it's like, there, I think there's got to be a better way of doing this. Right now, it's like there's an empty plot of land and we can get electricity out there. That's a great place for a charging location. But, uh, you know, the, the Walmart in particular, you're always at the far reaches of the the parking lot. And, mm. you know, you got to walk across, car, you know, gas cars driving past you just to get into the bathroom and stuff. It's like somebody, you know, some, you know, somebody's going to be out there and come up with some type of good solution. And it could be a retro restaurant or uh, we, I, I like the idea. I think uh, it was a Tesla idea of putting in like a little drive-in theater type thing, which would be really cool, sure. you know, and it may not have, you know, you don't want to be there for a full movie, but it's like, Hey, a 20 minute episode of South park, you know? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's also, I think establishing a new attitude towards gassing up. Like a lot of the focus has been on expediting the process as much as possible. Like how fast can you charge? How fast can you get in and get out? But I think that we're changing it a little more. It's like, this is a stop where you can nourish other things and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your car is charging, but like, what else can you do here? And like Patrick said, this is potentially a missed opportunity that hopefully they're going to take and that there's so many things that can be put in there, both amenities, accessibility, restrooms right there, and also coffee shops, food, nourishment. Like there's people who are going to be there for a chunk of time and we can make that a slow, pleasant process and fulfill other aspects of our lives while we're doing that. It could could be product no. research or whatever. I don't know. Like, <laughs> But there's here's an opportunity this time. And instead of perhaps focusing on like, get out, go fast. You know, it's like, what can we do here? Or, and yeah. still have that option. Like, it, cause yeah. we, we know people that are like, you know, we did the the race to Vegas with uh, out of spec studios and Kyle Connor was, you know, literally, you know, had it in gear as, as his uh, partner was unplugging the, the, the plug and just mm-hmm. racing to the next one. And then <laughs> us on the other hand, we were talking to people and hula hooping. <laughs> 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 we lost. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you didn't hear that. <laughs> that yeah, that's that's very interesting. I, it's funny you say that because when we when we got our our Tesla, like like the mentality before when we had a gas car and we I was doing anything more than say a a three hour drive. Like I remember going on a I had a seven or eight hour drive. So I used to live in Pennsylvania in the east part of Pennsylvania, this a town called Bethlehem. And I had to drive west into some random place in Ohio. I forget the name of it. Um, but it was like a six, seven hour long trip. And I was in a Mazda six. And my whole thing was like, I need to get there as quick as possible because I just I don't want to be in this car. I want to get to my destination. Then when we when we got our electric vehicle, our, our Tesla, it it these these stops like they force you to slow down in a way like they force you to say hey you got to wait at least 15 20 minutes like this this is your this is the requirement of of having a vehicle especially at this time but then i i realized that having that mechanism on its own made me so much more relaxed and well rested for the end of the trip than being in a gas car and racing to the end because i got to get out I stretch, I stretch my legs. Maybe I check Twitter or you know the the phone and look at text or whatever. Um, I don't know. I just I just use the time to sort of stretch out and relax. 
And, and so that, that was a very fascinating dynamic. And yeah, I may have arrived one or two hours later than I would have if I if I was in a gas car. But when I arrive at the destination, I actually have more usable time because I am well rested and I'm not I'm not angry about my seven hour road trip that I just took in a gas car. You know, it was fascinating. Yeah. So so for us, like one of one of our you know, minor road trip or weekend road trip destinations is Santa Fe, New Mexico. And we're, we're in Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the mileage, but I think it's like 350 miles down there. So um, I see it sort of both ways. Like there were times where we'd get off work a little bit early and then we'd like try to fly down there as quick as we could in our gas car so that we could get checked into the hotel at a decent hour and stuff. Um, doing it in the Maki, that's, that changes it. Cause we, we, have to have those stops you know we can't just take five minutes for gas and then hop right back in and keep going you know and eat right. in the car and, and that type of thing um but i was looking at my past road trips and it's like other than those times where i was like really really rushing the time that i took in the gas car versus the time i took in the mach were the same because it's like it is about 350 miles so it's like at some point we want to stop for dinner now mm. I coordinate like, okay, we're going to stop. We're going to get something to eat or not, you know, like a dinner dinner, but like lunch, you know, so I'm going to stop for like 40 minutes, get something to eat, cars charging versus go get gas and get something to eat. So it literally, it was like, uh, like seven, seven and a half hours in the gas car, seven and a half hours in the Maki, mm. going at a, at a decent pace, you know, not rushing. Um, but the gas car could still beat us if we, if I were, you know, had to. But, right. uh, but yeah, it, I, I like that mentality of like it, it, you get there, you're not like drained, you're sort of like relaxed and it is better. I mean, it's like you look at all the studies that say the more hours after about 500 miles uh, driving per day, it's it's like you're slightly intoxicated because yeah. you think you're on point, but your reaction times are slowing down and whatnot. So getting out, stretching your legs, it's all good stuff. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like you said, the intoxication part, like the safety uh, angle of it is is something that's not well understood and not a lot of people talk about. And, and what you said about like the net total time, if you're going to plan to take lunch anywhere on a road trip, like I feel like so many people that don't have EVs don't understand that. Like yeah. if you're going to stop for lunch anyway, like it's the same time because you're stopping th- that charge becomes your lunch. You know, yeah. it's like the net time is is the same. Uh, I, it's I, fascinating. I, I, challenged my brother because <clears throat> when I got the Maki, he was anti-EVs for all of the reasons I'm sure everybody's heard. Uh, but one of them was, I like to go on road trips and gas only takes me five minutes. And I was like, I guarantee you, it doesn't take you five minutes. Yes. He's traveling with his wife and kid. I was like, I, seriously, next time you go on a road trip, I want you to time from the time you exit to the time you get back on. And you tell me how long that is. Yeah. And he called me up. Right after he took a, his next road trip, he goes, dude, you're right. It was like 45 <laughs> minutes because I could have swore it was like a five minute stop. But it's like I, you know, I pump gas. My wife goes to the bathroom. She comes back out. I finish pumping gas. We move the car. Yeah. Then it's like we have this debate of what we're going to eat. And, and, and he goes, it was about 45 minutes for our stop. And yeah. and then he just put in an order for a, a Maki uh, in March and he's still waiting to get it built. But But yeah. Yeah. Slowly, yeah. slowly, I, I had to go through all of his because it was also the, well, doesn't it just burn coal? And uh, aren't they, you know, they so, they're so dirty to build the EV. So I had to go through like, it, it was about a, call, a phone call a month of explaining <laughs> all of the myths away for him. <laughs> 
It's funny, like it's funny hearing you say that because, like, on the Tesla side, we it's like we do that too. You know, it's like it's so funny. Like, once you have an EV, like these conversations appear to be so common with with folks that are not familiar with the industry. Actually, I see a comment on the in the comment section here. Uh, have you all used your uh, front drain plug yet in your car? I saw that comment, and actually, we haven't, but we saw someone use it this weekend at that sweet meetup that Patrick was talking about. I think it takes about six bags of ice to fill it and it's not super insulated. So it does drain out pretty quickly. Um, but he had a bunch of ice in there, a bunch of water, and I think it was still pretty icy for a couple hours. Yeah. It stayed, it stayed pretty well. Yeah. yeah the, all of the frunks, I mean, that's where a lot of the cooling happens for the car. So, uh, it's not actually super insulated. So the ice will melt quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, what I have found it beneficial for, and we haven't used it a lot, uh, for this, but like when we have leftovers at the restaurant, you just throw them in the front and it's, they you don't have to warm. worry about it. it they stay warm. <laughs> uh, the smells stay confined. And if it spills, I know I can just hose it out. But yeah. normally like what, what we like, uh, we have those like camping chairs. So we put three camping chairs in the front and Perfect we, length. yeah, we sort of yeah. keep them in there at all, all times because like, we'll, We'll go meet friends for whatever, like at the EV meetup. And it's like, well, we have three chairs ready. So. Nice. And that's nice. Okay. Like, what do people have in their frunk? Like, what's yeah. in your frunk? <laughs> it's like fr- frunk puppies. <laughs> oh, yeah. <I> yeah. <laughs> yeah, mine right now is a, a chess board and I think a board game that I haven't gotten out yet. I took I went to my brother's house, like brother's apartment, like two, three weeks ago. And he was having like a board game night. And uh, I'm pretty sure they're still in there. Guys, I forget. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's like a separate part of the car. Yeah. And I'm like, like, it's not that, like, for example, on the Model Y, I have the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a hatchback. So I could always, you know, if somebody's in the back, it's like, hey, can you check what's in the trunk real quick for me? But like the frunk, I still to this day forget I have a frunk because I, you know, coming yeah. from a gas car background, every, all of us have, like, it's, it's, yeah. it's still a relatively new thing in car ownership is like you have this entire different trunk. That's part of the car. You know? I think yeah. that's why it's been nice having something that we just want to leave in the car. So we forget that the chairs are there until that moment when we're like, ha, we have chairs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, yes. yeah. It's like a pleasant surprise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a self-inflicted pleasant, pleasant surprise. It, um, yeah. Put an umbrella in there because I've had a lot of like, oh, I need an umbrella moments. We yeah. Yeah, for sure. Have a front uh, recommendation. <laughs> uh, so so um, I'm curious what. So what led you to the to the Mach-E? Maybe like help us understand uh, your journey to discovering electric vehicles, your journey to coming across the Mach-E, maybe any, any other EVs you may have tested. Uh, yeah, just kind of walk us through that journey, if you don't mind. Um, a lot of people won't believe this, but like I, I started like I was a Tesla fan and I still am. Uh, but uh, like when the, the Roadster was out, like every time I saw a Roadster, like uh, on work trips to California, I, I almost crashed because I was like, oh my God, there's a Roadster and I wanted to catch up <laughs> to it or whatever. Um, and then of course the Model S came out, big sedan, not for me, uh, beautiful car. Uh, of course, then the Model X came out and I heard that was being announced. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sort of more of an SUV person. So that would be great. Too big of an SUV for me. Then the three came out and I was really excited for that um, because I had a, a Subaru WRX and I see it as like it beats the Subaru WRX on like every every check, mm-hmm. um, but didn't need a car at the time. And then uh, because like then Liv and I were in a relationship, we definitely need an SUV. She has a recumbent trike 
uh, with an electric assist. Like we wanted a car that could do everything that could fit the trike. So that was kind of a big thing. It's a very large bicycle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and I just like SUVs personally. So yeah, and she's an SUV person. So we, you know, we, I started like, okay, now we're getting closer to the time and the Y came out and I'll just be honest. I like, I, I, they made it like a fat model three, which I just didn't like the looks of it, but everything mm-hmm. else checked all the boxes. Um, so we were considering the, the model Y and then by the time we were getting ready to purchase, you know, you, you start seeing like all the other things announced. And, uh, I, I grew up on Fords. I came home in a 65 Mustang. So I was excited by the Mustang. Um, and then when I saw the unveiling of it, I loved the looks of it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I knew about the advantages of the supercharger network and the efficiency of the model Y, but I was sold by the looks, um, and, especially getting the the tax credits. Uh, so it was sort of like looking at everything. Uh, and I felt confident because I've, I've had a good run of Fords and um, you know, it's, it's not a, like I hated the model Y uh, I would have bought the model Y lived it and liked the looks of it either. So that sort of sealed the deal. <laughs> well, but, um, also like to be totally honest, I'm a used car person. I'm a cheap car person. I like my cars to be beat up already before I do it. Uh, so I wasn't really, so into the whole brand new expensive car. Um, but as we started getting into it, I just didn't think that a new shiny EV was something that we could have, but the tax incentives, the mm. the cost savings of EV over gas, all of that. And, and also honestly, the community and the lifestyle just started to be really exciting. And it's, it is, you know, like yeah. getting into the EV lifestyle is like, this is awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is the way. And, yeah. And after, and so while we were waiting for the Mach-E, we did, um, you know, visit Tesla, take the Model Y out, um, and it, they gave us a performance, which sort of spoiled us a little bit. Um, but there were some some little things uh, besides the you know the looks. Um, you know, people could call me a boomer or whatever, but I like some of my old dials and being able to control the air vents. The door handles are something that were a big issue for us uh, because of Liv's injury. She has some dexterity issues. Mm -hmm. So the door handles made it difficult for entry and exit. And so some of those little things were just like elimination factors for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I hated, I still hated taking the the performance uh, Model Y back because that was (laughs) so fun to drive. Um, So it's, uh, you know, just just going with that. Um, We stuck with the Mach-E. We've been really happy. Uh, with it. Uh, we had some anxiety because of all the horror stories we've, you know, we've heard about Electrify America and we've had some, but it's, you know, we haven't ever had an unsuccessful stop at a charging station. Um, feature wise, we love it. Uh, we're happy with Blue Cruise, contrary to like some of the stuff that's out there. It's been great. And someone uh, like great chat, by the way, your community oh. is awesome. They're like, really? <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, and, yeah. and everyone's just having some really great input. Someone asked what our favorite feature was, and like I know what mine is now. Which one? Well, so we actually just switched from a first edition, basically a premium Maki, to a GT Performance Edition. I Maybe saw. from that back in time <laughs> experience with the Performance Model Y, but uh, I think MagnaRide is my favorite feature. Yeah. But that's only now in the GT Performance. And um, what's MagnaRide? It's magnetic suspension. Patrick can explain okay. yeah. it well. <laughs> a lot of Cadillacs. Uh, I believe you can get it on like uh, the Chevy Corvette and Camaro. Uh, it's uh, and and now on the Mustang uh, and Mustang Mach E. But 
basically the suspension that the, the shocks can be the response of the shocks can, can be adjusted like hundreds of times per second because the the fluid that's basically in the shocks is um, controlled by electronic magnets so as it's reading the the bumps in the road or you know that you're cornering it can adjust the firmness of your shocks and it's mm-hmm. it's really phenomenal and you can adjust um and sort of like a a chill ride mode which is our whisper then engage which is normal and unbridled which is like a performance mode so it's like you can stiffen up the suspension depending on what you're doing and it's uh it, it even in like the performance mode it handles like bumps quite a bit better than than the regular maki gotcha yeah i i do know with with teslas and, and the model y and the model 3 specifically i think they all come with uh shocks like just regular shock suspension i think the performance ones are lowered a little bit they might i don't mm-hmm. know if they just compress the ones they use for all the cars or they just have different shocks i think the only ones that have magnetic rides are like the more expensive trims the s and the x that you know they run at least a hundred thousand so it's cool that they offer that you're able to get that sort of ride quality in a where you don't have to spend a hundred thousand dollars in an ev so that's that's actually really yeah. really cool um so that's liv's favorite feature what's yours patrick Oh, uh, I was going to say the Magnaride, but uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's like taken. <laughs> so that's a quite an exclusive favorite feature, though, that's just in the GT Performance Edition. So mm-hmm. what's a favorite feature that is just in every Mach-E? Um, you know, it's to me, a lot of it's the styling. So it's like, I know it's, I mean, it's not a feature per se, but I love the styling of the Mach-E. Uh, sure. And again, growing up on on Mustangs, uh, I you know, the Tri-Bar, tail lights and you know the the wide haunches in the back you know i love that it's it may not be as arrow as the y and it's definitely not as arrow as the y but but i, I love some of those little styling cues i actually mm-hmm. totally agree with that and i was thinking that too because like it, it's so nice to have uh, like it's a great fortune to have a car that you walk up to and every time you're like hello there's one yeah. feature and it's it's sort of funny because it is one of our favorite features i'll claim it for you as well but it has the the Mustang logo when you walk up to the car is projected onto the ground. Yeah. And it's so sweet. And it's like, uh, we, we generally, cause we called our car Blucifer after the, the blue Mustang statue at DIA at uh, the airport. Um, so we walk up to the car and we're like, hello, Blucifer. And then it, and it responds with the lights <laughs> on the ground. And I just, just love that. And it's funny because there are a lot of people that'll buy a Mach-E and they've done all their research and whatever, and they'll get it home. And then like two weeks later, they'll walk up to it for the first time at night and go, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Robert in the chat mentioned that they should electrify the 65 Mustang. Funny you say that. We actually saw an electrified 65 Mustang this weekend, and it was super sweet. Man. Yeah. Super awesome. We have an interview it's, with them coming out. And they had a... Uh, they had a Tesla motor in there and instead yeah. of being mounted traversely, it was mounted like in line with the drive shaft. Um, yeah. We're going to try to team up with them and do a video on that and take a, a more detailed look, but it's, it's really cool. And then on the, um, the Mustang logo on the back, they did like the Mustang logo over the Tesla logo. So it's okay. like combined the two. It was, it was nice. a nice sweet build. That's sick. 
That's pretty sick. I, I also saw uh, somebody said the, a comment. They love the blue. I've seen the blue on the Mustang in person. Man, that thing is sweet. Like they've done a really good job with the paint. It's it's a standout feature. You know, I I, I think I, like personally, I like the way the Mustang looks. I really do. I, I do think I I prefer for my taste the Model Y. I prefer it, but the Mustang looks it really looks good. But the paint stands out. They did such a good job with the paint, and and it's so easy to catch. Like every time I'm on the road, like every other car blurs, but there's certain cars that stick out and the blue Mustang sticks out every single time. I'm like, oh shit, there goes the Mustang. Oh shit, there goes the Mustang. They did a really good job with that paint. And they that really color, because um, we we switched from a first edition to a, a GT and people are like, are you going to switch colors? We went with the Grabber Blue again. Um, mm-hmm. Part of it is it's uh, within Ford, that's an exclusive Mustang color. It's only ever been on the Mustangs and it actually dates back to uh, 19, uh, 1969 Mustang where they mm. first came out with that color. And it's like, it's not available every year on the Mustang. So uh, it's sort of special. And then it's usually just a solid color. And on the Mac, uh, Mackie, on the Mackie, <laughs> they made it uh, uh, metallic as well. So it really, really pops. And yeah. Yeah. I'm not normally a white car person, but even the white color, I think it's like three layers of paint and it's very sparkly. Mm. So I'm yeah. like Nice. Like, Sparkles yeah. are good. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a question from Donald. Uh, how how have you guys experienced so like cabin noise and the quietness? How would you rate the sort of the quietness of the ride in the Mustang? Uh, pretty quiet. And we we've we've been in numerous cars lately. Uh, it's not Mercedes EQS. That's quiet. our that's forever course, the yeah. high standard of absolute silence. And yeah. then I was trying to think of. I think it's the Maki after that. Um, it's fairly cl- it's it's up there um we've you know it's quieter than the like model y or polestar inside and i think you know some of that is down to like what tires you're on and, yeah. and even what road you're on but it feels like it's it's fairly quiet in there uh, and a lot of this is editing videos as we do our little road tests and then we have to go back and try to do some noise cancellation to so you can hear us talking uh mm-hmm. it's very easy um, in the EQS and in the Maki, and the Rivian was pretty quiet as well. Ish. Ish. It had it had some wind yeah. noise. Yeah, yeah. The Rivian yeah. had some wind noise, and I'm trying to think. I think the ID4 probably had the most road noise, but nothing's bad. Everything's better than my '98 Rav4. So <laughs> 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 like we have the whole breadth of of stuff. Yeah, yeah there hasn't yeah. been an EV that we've gotten in that's been like, oh, this is very noisy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially compared to the gas cars, like that, that same in the same price range, like the EV will always be quieter than the gas car. 100% oh, yeah. Of the time. oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, unless they have like some insane tire choice that like they pick the worst tire in the world, you know? Yeah. Um, I can tell you with my so we have a we have a performance model Y actually, and, oh, and it cool. rides on the. I think they're 21. I forget if they're, I think they're 21s, the, the, the tires, but you can hear the tires because they're, you know, they're low profile, they're wider, they're sporty tires. But I would say for me, that that is by far the biggest noise that I hear in my car. Still, still way quieter than a gas car in the same price range. But that tire no, noise is what really leaks through. But that's what I paid for. I wanted the performance. So that's what I get. You know, it's like yeah. one of those trade-offs that you get with those uh, things. And there's a difference with the, the, the premium Maki was quieter than the, GT that we have now, and it's a lot of it's due to the the tires, yeah, wider tires, mm-hmm. stickier tires. I think it says sure. a lot that the road noise is normally drowned out by the sounds of your engine, so that yeah. we yeah. talk about this at all is probably <laughs> yeah, yeah. a good sign. And Donald yeah. asks uh, if there are um, fairly inexpensive uh, 
used Maki's. Funny you should say that. We just <laughs> traded in our premium first edition. We made money on it, which helped us buy our GT, GT performance edition. So nice. no, they're not they're not inexpensive used Maki's. We even um was a space white one that popped up on the market was at MSRP, which is super rare. We put a shout out, Patrick did. We had like 12 people asking about it. It was gone instantly. Yeah. Instantly. Wow. And that was at MSRP. So you're definitely not getting deals on yeah, Maki. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've I've noticed that a lot with like I know for the last year we've had a lot of um you know with the craziness with inflation and the used car market and all that craziness, but I I'm seeing that EVs in particular are holding their value really 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 well. It's not just a Tesla or a Mach-E thing. Like unless you're talking about like I know the Bolts had a lot of issues with like their batteries or like there's certain cars that have had some issues when it comes to retaining value, but uh, most EVs seem to be doing really well and uh, holding their value. I'm happy to hear that Mach-E is as well. The cute little question here what live we must know what's your accent where are you from i've been watching the comments and i love that no one has gotten it i feel like i shouldn't say um, <laughs> put your best yeah. guess in the comments let's see yeah, if guess it comes in the comments. <laughs> yeah. someone said a word earlier in regards to ev camping which is specific to the location that i'm from i happen to I miss notice. that I know that I've been reading the comments <laughs> um yeah someone said that word in regards to camping that may be a clue Boston. I mean, like Boston. I'm not going to say anything. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll reveal soon. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> this is like the funnest part. <laughs> I know you have yeah. to keep watching to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, camping, yeah. We did camp in the Maki. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. Uh, well, we were testing out a mattress, which wasn't great. So it's actually I think from Tasmania. Probably. Yeah. It was model Y sized, which is probably why, you know, it should have been wider for us. Well, that's um, weird because I, 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 I think the Model Y interior is actually wider, but this mattress wasn't quite as wide as the Mach E. So I was like, I don't know why it was. Anyways, but we went we went camping. Uh, it was actually sort of cool. We it was like an all electric camping trip. So we had a um, a two Lightning, Rivians. two Rivians, and the Mach E. Wow. Uh, we should not have been out there because no. it was down a really really rough uh, mm. dirt road where I literally. We won't say. Well, I can say it now because I've already sold the car, but I scraped the bottom. <laughs> so, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I um, hope he's not watching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry. Um, it, it did not damage anything. I like I crawled under. Right. Look, Superficial, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, it was it was sort of cool. And um, uh, the the it was uh, Kyle of out of spec, so he brought his Starlink setup, and so we, nice. we were like out in the middle of nowhere had. Uh, satellite and i thought it was just so cool like here we have evs and starlink and it's just like forefront of technology um yeah sleeping in the back of the maki was fine we don't have a camping mode which is silly the temperature was very nice outside so that probably contributed to it if we were trying mm. to moderate the temperature and in, inside i don't think it would have been yeah. great well, I mean, there's people who are getting around that and getting around the lack of dog mode, but um, it's or pet mode, but it's it's something silly like Forge. Just, it should be an easy addition. Rivian added it. You know, people are like, hey, can you guys do a dog mode? And then like two weeks later, they had a dog mode. I don't. Mm. Yeah. You know. Do you, do y'all get um uh, software updates through the Maki as well? Like, do they come in? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So we we've gotten um you know some of them are minor. Um, like we got tic-tac-toe and you're like, Ooh, boy, this is sort of embarrassing. <laughs> 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 um, 
we our blue cruise was activated via over there update um things like we got a an update to our charging curve because the maki had a, a sort of infamous cliff at 80 percent where it dropped to 11 kilowatts charging um we got the update over the air and then it's uh you know 43 kilowatts where it slows down to 80 percent. so you know good updates like that but you're also like you know why just flip a switch and we can have dog mode or yeah. camp mode or, or whatnot yeah is there a place for uh owners to sort of because i, I you know tesla doesn't really have that either it's just kind of the community like the twitter you just tweet elon can you put this in a software i think sometimes you'll say sure you know there's forums and stuff like that but but does ford have some sort of place where you could submit um, um suggestions and they can take it to the mothership how does that work so the there's a way to like report errors in the sync system so that you can say like, Hey, this, you know, this isn't working, but it's, it's sort of yeah. vague. It's sort of like you just tap a button and um, I don't know how much feedback cause I've never actually done that part, but they do uh, reach out to people to do surveys. And uh, I know a couple of people and there's also an early access program that we used to be in with our old car, but the new GT has been enrolled in that. And, and with that, they'll, they'll roll out an update and then we'll, get a survey that says like, how was the update? And I know I got one that was like asking like what features, you know, would, would we like to see? Um, and of course it was like, you know, mentioning like games. I'm like, I could care less about games. Although I know a lot of people want games. I, um, mm. with the processor power in the Maki, -E, it's, they're not going to be anything great. So. Gotcha. Can you okay. give me dog mode? <laughs> <laughs> give him dog mode. Damn it. Um, Liv, did anyone uh, guess your accent yet? Did you see hey, your? Uh, should we tell them? Should we? You, you want to tell? It's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, South Africa. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> and yeah. Cindy called out one of the best things. The second best thing about South Africa is peri peri chicken, which is actually Portuguese, but it's like a South African recipe. It's so delicious. I agree, it's the best. But also, there is biltong. Yeah, um, of course. So we'll just. Have you experienced yeah. it? We actually have a, one of one of my best friends' wives is from South Africa, and we went th we went to South Africa for their wedding. So we were in Cape Town, uh, Robo, oh, yeah. I th I uh, yeah, like we were in like the Western Cape of, of the of the country. We had biltong, we had um, we had a, a braai, right? Not a barbecue. Yep. We had right. a braai. Yeah, uh, it was beautiful. It was one of the. We went to Stellenbosch. We went to um, a bunch of different places. Such a gorgeous country. My God. It's absolutely yeah. stunning. But yeah, I had Biltong in, in South Africa and it was That's freaking wonderful. incredible. Legit yeah. Biltong. Yeah. If you have the oh, opportunity yeah. to have some, it's a staple. Yeah. 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 And the very prairie chicken. Yeah. Okay. It's funny because once I heard your accent, I'm like, I know exactly where she's from, but really? I just wanted to build the suspense. Oh, of course. <laughs> I think it super weird. So I told, like when people say Boston or East Coast, I'm like, yeah, I, I can hear that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's happened, but. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of South Africa, we went there. Uh, earlier this year to visit her grand who's turned a mm. hundred. Whoa. So, uh, but, <laughs> but we, we, we still try to do some uh, EV stuff while we were there. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's sort of interesting because we talk about the EV revolution and we talk about like the new, you know, tax credits that are here in the U S it actually mm. costs more to buy EV there because they, they tax them higher and they tax imported vehicles as well. And, and then there's like, there's no charging stations or hardly any. We found two. And I think because like it's imported. So if it's over a certain amount, it becomes a luxury vehicle, which then gets taxed yeah. more. So it's really mm. prohibitive. So like a, yeah. like a, a, a mini, a BM, uh, mini Cooper 
for example, I, I think here, like with the tax credits would be like 27,000 or something like that over there, it's going to be like 57,000 or some ridiculous number. Um, and then, uh, we were looking up like how many EVs are actually even over here. And I think from 2013 until, uh, uh, into 2021, they had like 180 total EVs. Total. Yeah. So it's, it's really great to see what's happening in Europe and China and the U S but, uh, you know, countries like South Africa, it's like, how are we going to, yeah. So they're not left out of this. For sure. I, I've been thinking about that a lot. It's it, the, the EV movement kind of reminds me a little bit of, um, sort of the transition to cell phones in a way, like, like, especially if I'm thinking about, um, like South Africa is, is, you know, and it's in the top tier of countries in the world. So they have infrastructure, they have the economy, they have like, they have the capability of really driving, uh, the EVs forward, but they just need to kind of figure out the importing. Maybe they have to localize production sometime down the road. So maybe Ford or Tesla or whoever needs to start building factories in South Africa so they can actually create, you know, build the cars locally so that they, you know, bypass all those import taxes. So hopefully that happens, but I'm thinking like, globally, there's such a huge chance for a lot of these countries to bypass really going heavy into into gas cars and just going electric with solar. Because you think about wh what's the location of a lot of these, um, a lot of these countries, a lot of them get a lot of sun, they get a lot of sun. So why not use um, some sort of electric battery system or, you know, solar and batteries to harness the energy you need to power these cars long term. And I think in the next 20 to 40 years, call it, I think there's a huge opportunity for that. And companies like Ford and Tesla and whoever else is getting into the EV game, like they can really capitalize from that and really enter those markets hardcore. And, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that happens. I see that as a potential opportunity. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts around that, but I've been thinking about that quite a bit. Yeah, we, that's something that we covered over there because they, they actually do have a lot of grid problems. So they do what they call load shedding, which is like rolling blackouts as we call them here. And here it's like, a, you know, it makes them the news because rolling blackouts are, you know, such a, such a disruption there. Right. It's almost like, well, yeah, this is, this is what we're going to be doing for load shedding for the next couple of months. And people just sort of get used to it. And it's, yeah. uh, you know, you'll get scheduled to have eight hours of load shedding over the next three days. And that would be a huge disruption for us, you know? So in addition to doing like things like doing, you know, bringing in solar over there, then if you also have your your transportation is also a battery that could also power your house while there is load shedding, it could be huge. And when I you know sort of presented that to some people that were in South Africa, at first they were like, yeah, we can't do EVs because we have load shedding. I was like, yeah, but what if that during load shedding, your EV powered your house? And they're like, exactly. They can do that? And I was like, they're getting there. You know, certain, certain vehicles already, but they're getting there. Um, and that would be like a huge, huge advantage for a lot of people, I think. And, you know, and, and again, it's sort of like you're talking about like cell phones. Um, they start Europe, China, Japan, you know, those those areas. But when they get into other portions of the world, all of a sudden it, it unlocks other potential that we never thought of here in the U.S. Because we just don't have yeah. some of the same uh, issues. And and. As revolutionary as cell phones and the internet is here, uh, in some portions of the world, it was 
you know, tenfold that because they actually have access to information. I mean, even um, like I know some parts of like rural Colorado, it opened up so much more because you get access to so much. And I think EVs, yeah. solar, um, Starlink, it's, you know, all of that is going to be huge. And we've only begun to imagine the potential. Yeah. Where do you see the EV industry and in, say like by 2030? Like, do you guys think about that a lot? Like, do you think about the transition? How, how do you envision this thing moving forward? You know, like I said, we got into doing the Maki vlog and our, our videos and, you know, all of this is to document our own journey. And at some point it was like clicking with us. It's like, oh my God, this is like a bucking Bronco and we're on for the ride of our lives. Um, you know, I think there are some optimistic projections of where we can be. And, you know, some days I look at it and I go like, I don't know where we're going to get the resources to do this. But mm -hmm. then other days it's, you know, we were just talking about friend after friend is like my next EV is going to be, or my next car is going to be an EV. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the industry will find a way to meet this demand and need. And I think we're going to be ahead of a lot of these projections and goals um, just because um, when you had, 1% market penetration, you'd have a few people try an EV and then they go, oh yeah, I, I think I want one of those, but I have worries and questions. But we're re reaching that threshold where so many more people, it's get, you know, it's increasing exponentially, getting exposed to EVs and understanding how great they are, it's just going to drive it faster and faster. And, and mm -hmm. you know, there are big hurdles for companies like Ford and GM and and uh, VW, Tesla is showing you know showing how they can scale quickly, but I think it's going to take legacy's uh, efforts to scale as well, and um, they'll find a way. Um, I, I don't know how, yeah. and there are some companies that are lagging significantly, um, but hopefully they'll all find a way. Yeah, I'm with you, and I feel like it's so exciting being in this and, and sharing our passion with people and, and hearing so many more people say, my next car will be an EV. That's so exciting and it's so fun. And then it's also very overwhelming to think to 2030. Um, in so many ways, like how we can handle this, how companies are going to handle this, how the grid will handle it. I, I don't know. And sometimes it's like, oh, I hope we're going to be okay. But I feel like a great deal of innovation happens under pressure and that pressure is starting and there are very smart people on the task, thankfully. So I am putting faith in those people um, and in this expanding industry. And we've probably got like really smart people going to school now for the stuff who will now yeah. soon be contributing to this industry. And it's just going to keep exploding more as, as more pressure is put on it. So sometimes I'm like, Ooh, I don't know how it's going to be, but also I think maybe it'll yeah. be a diamond. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you. I, I mean, I can tell you the the one conversation that I that I'm always I'm I'm like plugged into these different uh, you know groups of of folks within the Tesla community that are also like investors and they're really really interested in the in the movement of the industry forward and how that you know what are the implications to the stock and the company and the industry and so on and so forth. And the thing that that everybody keeps coming back to is like, do we have enough nickel? Do we have enough lithium, like the raw material, like the mining and the supply that needs to be there? It still seems like, at least at present day, um, 
the scaling efforts required to say get uh, to 50% plus EVs, new EVs per year, like saying you say you sell 100 million cars total, 50 million of those are going to be EVs. Like, how the hell are we going to do that? <laughs> yeah. You know, like the, the raw materials are not available today and, and, and there doesn't seem to be a clear path to get there. So I think a lot of people are afraid that there is going to be this, you know, they call it the valley of death. They call it the valley of death, where the transition from EVs to gas cars you're going to get into a situation where as you know as the people that we've talked to and I, I want to ask you a question about this in a little bit but as the people that we've talked to are, are starting to say i my next car is an ev i'm really getting you know warmed out to the ev but there's not going to be evs for them to buy and then if they're going to stop buying the gas cars then what's going to happen to the companies that are selling the gas cars you know like it becomes a really weird uh dynamic that's that's going to go down and i can tell you within the tesla community there's been uh discussions around say companies like your toyotas or your you know we'll even throw gm in there for the sake of this conversation um there doesn't seem to be at present day there's no clear pathway for them or they're not at least being uh, super let's say uh realistic about their approach and really scaling up uh, electric vehicles and there's a lot of fear that um maybe i shouldn't use the word fear but i'm going to use the word fear because i'm legitimately afraid for those companies that they're not going to be around for very long because if they're not if they're not able to really scale their their processes and their electric vehicles as much as as quickly as humanly possible people are not just going to want they're not going to want to buy gas cars they'll just wait for the ev however long it takes um i'm curious if you have any thoughts around that but like we, we think about that a lot in on our side of the of like the ev world a little bit but i'm curious to hear if, if y'all are yeah. thinking about that too well and, and people, you know, I'll, I'll have these conversations on Twitter where it's like, you know, legacy is just going to die. And and I see where that's coming from, because if you look back when the Japanese imports first came and a lot of American companies, you know, the big three struggled to make that transition to make, you know, affordable, smaller, more efficient vehicles. And that was basically staying in their their safe zone. You know what I mean? It was like it wasn't like this technology revolution that they had to go through. And they all three of them almost died because of that. And now we're talking about it's a completely different mindset. It's completely different resource. They need to work on vertical integration. They need to work on new technology, not in just propulsion, but in uh, driver's assistance systems. So there are so many things that they have to juggle and juggle just right to survive the transition. I fear for all of them. VW, um, Ford, I think are doing a better job than, than let's say GM and Toyota. A hundred percent. But there's no guarantee that that's going to be enough. And, you know, I, I don't think it's like they would disappear or something like that, but I could see there's going to be mergers and divisions collapsed and, and whatnot. Um, but it still goes back to overall, like no matter what, there's a certain number of cars that are being sold every single year. And whether it's Tesla and Rivian and BYD, you know, or legacy, there's still a lot of resources that have to be found and have to be mined, mm -hmm. have to be processed. And how, how that all happens, that's that's why it's like I, I, I love thinking about it. But if I dig into it too much, it's, almost, it's like overwhelming for me. And that's where I'm like, you know, the guys that are making, you know, seven figures a year, they can worry about that because <laughs> I, and, and it goes back to like, uh, uh, you know, it's like somebody said, well, what, you know, aren't, aren't you worried Ford's going to go bankrupt in 10 years? I'm like, what does that matter about the car that's in my garage? Exactly. You know? 
It's like, I'm going to drive my car. I'll probably be rid of it by then. Um, so short term, I'm focused on those type of things because that's, you know, I need to get from point A to point B. My electric car does that. But I do worry about the big picture and how are we going to make that transition? And, and then on the other side of it, too, is like the, the grid. Um, you know, I, I dispel some of the myths about the grid is you know just going to collapse because of what's happening in like Texas and whatnot. But there, there, there does need to be a lot of improvements in our grid. We just met with a, a company the other day that was talking about um, working with energy providers because they're not used to uh, having these large loads on the grid at night or in a neighborhood when all of a sudden now in the middle of the night, there's a ton of electricity being pulled. Like how, how does that get improved? Um, and again, they want to survive as well. So, you know, they have people working on this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I, uh, I've been, I've been critical of, of certain companies. So, you know, I'll, I'll be completely transparent. I'm not a huge fan of how a company like GM is approaching the transition. Definitely not uh, thrilled about Toyota. They're like certain, I, I'll be transparent. Like I, I love the ownerships and I love the vehicles and I love like the, G, the GMC Hummer. I want to see one in person so bad because that looks so, that looks so obnoxious. I want one so bad. It's 9,000 pounds. Who the fuck needs a 9,000 pound car? I do, because it's obnoxious, you know? It's like, it's cool, it's cool. Um, but 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 I always separate the that from overall business strategy and overall corporate strategy. And that's where I think sometimes that gets lost in translation with some folks. I'm like, I'm not criticizing the 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 vehicles themselves. I'm criticizing like how quickly they can scale. Like, are you taking this seriously enough? Because yeah. there there is a chance for this to to really like there's gonna be potentially hundreds of thousands of people that are gonna lose their jobs. And that's what I'm really truly worried about. It's like an economy that's not gonna be able to sustain this transition. That's where my head goes to. Now, um, I am optimistic by nature. And I think what, what uh, Liv said around, you know, pressure makes diamonds, 100%. Like sometimes that's the thing we need. Yeah. You know, we need that fire in our ass on our asses to really get those things going. But, um, and, and the reason why I even reached out in the first place was, I, I, I became a really big fan of what Jim Farley and Ford are, are, are doing. Like it, it's, it's obvious that, that Ford is thinking about the future and they're doing the right things to get there, especially as a company that's been around for as long as they have. They, this sort of, they were the only automaker in the, in the US in 2008 that didn't file for bankruptcy during that crazy thing, which shows that they know what they're doing. If you've been around for that long, you know, they've, they've shown that they can reinvent themselves over time. Um, and I'm like, holy shit, Ford, Ford is doing it. Like they're doing it. The Mach-E looks great in person. Everybody who's seen or driven the F-150 Lightning, they're huge fans of it. These are signs of a company that, a legacy company that's been around for a long time that is doing the right things to move to the next stage, you know? And and hopefully they make it through. I think I think their chances are better than not at this point, uh, given all the things they have with their, you know, the, the gas factories and everything, but they're they're doing it, they're doing it. Yeah. And that's a great thing that should be celebrated and we should be like, yo, this is freaking awesome. And the fact that they have owners like yourselves that are happy with their cars and, the, and they really love their experience, like this is great, like let's celebrate this and hopefully 
Toyota or, or, or a Honda or whoever else is like, holy shit, maybe we should do that too. Because, because yeah. there's people out there that are, that want this kind of product and them just standing idly by is a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. So that's where I get passionate, you know, and that's why I think mm -hmm. like, that's what attracted me to Tesla in the first place. I'm like, okay, like we have a company that's being really serious about, Hey, let's move it forward. Let's move it forward. And I'm seeing Jim Farley and Ford kind of driving the same narrative. And I'm like, cool. Like finally we got some momentum going and that's very encouraging. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of funny. Uh, like I think some of the success of the Maki -E and the lightning has created this animosity of, from, from certain segments of like, you know, why are they always mentioning Tesla and what, a, you know, uh, Ford is going to die and, you know, Tesla's beaten them They're They got so much market share. And I'm like, I see it as all as like, it's a compliment, you know, if, you know, when, when Mike Levine or Jim Farley are mentioning Tesla and taking digs at Tesla. Sure. I think that's, you know, if I were a Tesla owner, I'd be like, yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. 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 You know, and it, it's because of the position that Tesla is in of, you know, it, you know, if you would have said 10 years ago, the CEO of Ford is going to be taking digs at Tesla because of their success. I think mm. everybody been like, I'll, I'll take that. That's great. Like that's hundred percent. That's awesome of where Tesla is at now. And then of course, it's also like, well, you should be thankful of Tesla. And I was like, I am because if it wasn't for Tesla, there, there would probably be a Ford EV being produced, but I think it would be um, an escape compliance vehicle that was originally slated to be what the, the Mach-E is. But right. Ford, I think, out of the legacy manufacturers, in, and I think, you know, VW is doing some good stuff as well. But like American EV, uh, our legacy EV uh, manufacturers, they basically said, we're going to go big or go home versus, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, the other, you know, Stellantis slash Chrysler and GM. GM is, is you know, I, I love the Bolt. I, I've recommended the Bolt to a lot of people that come to us and say, like, it's, I can't afford an EV. Have you looked at a Bolt? And I kind of want one. Live with suspecting. They're so, such a great value. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, it, it still feels like that they were just trying to like, okay, here's all of our great cars. And then here's this Bolt. And I'm like, if they would have like switched that role, I think they could be in a, a way better position right now. Um, and then, and then they do come up with something like the Hummer. And like you said, it's like Hummer is, that's just fantastic. But it's like, we need to see some, some follow through by GM right. scale. Yeah. They got to scale that up. I think the Silverado is going to be super impressive. I'm, I'm excited to see that when it comes out. Um, right. And as I, as I talked about a couple of times on our channel is like, I grew up uh, in North Carolina, you know, like half my friends and family were Ford truck family. And the other half was Chevy truck family, <laughs> few, few oddball Dodge or whatever. But I think it's sort of like, okay, maybe this is what Chevy needed is like, okay, Ford has the lightning. It's like, oh crap, we got to do a, a Silverado, get those rivalries going. And then Tesla's yeah. going to have the, the cyber truck. And then it's like, how are they going to respond yeah. to that? And, um, you know, I think it's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a completely different market for the cyber truck and that's fine. You know? Yeah. There's room for a lot of people. And that, that's yeah. the way I look at it. A lot of this competition rivalry stuff is uh you know we, we sometimes look at it as you know winner take all it will never be that way in the automotive industry um it, it's going to be you love the look of your model y 
I love to look at the Mach-E. You know what I mean? It's right. like we're you you might like a red car, I like a blue car. You know what I mean? So it's exactly like we're always going to have different preferences, and that's just the way it's going to be. And uh, there, there's room for a lot of people at this EV world. And it's yeah. also beyond preferences because it's needs. Because like the F one fifty Lightning and then the Silverado, these are essential utility tools and that really needed to fill the market. Like there was a space there that had to happen. So um, we need some more of that, some more variety yeah. in EVs. Yeah. Like I'm it, excited to see automakers bringing variety instead of just like. Yeah, you know. I mean, if if I needed a truck. It, like we would have been tempted to trade in the Maki for the F one hundred and fifty Lightning because I think it's I think they've done a better job with the thermal management. It's quick. They did a Maki mm. versus Lightning drag race, and the the Maki won by like a car length, which is insane. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, I would be very tempted to switch to a, a Lightning, but we just don't need it. And right. but it's so useful. It's like. So much more, there's so much more that you could do with it than the Mach E, which we have no use yeah. for. But it's like, wow, it can do yeah. that. Like, you yeah. know, like in an you almost F- want to like find an excuse to like use it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's well, like we the Rivian. Open a- <laughs> I've seen so many Rivians for as few as they've sold in, you know, big picture terms. I've seen a lot here in Colorado. Um, and it's like the perfect Colorado vehicle. It's sort of, yes, it, it does well on your day to day commute. Then when you want to go have some fun in the canyons, just driving fast, you can like lower it and put it in sport mode and it's powerful enough, like not an issue. And then you go, okay, now let's go camping for a bit, go in off-road mode. I'm like, it's it's like an ideal uh, vehicle. We don't go off-roading or camping or anything like that. So, <laughs> so it's right. not for us, but I, it's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's so I true. Actually- I, go ahead, Liv. Oh, well, someone commented earlier about the Polestar 6. Um, oh, yeah. And I, so I was like, oh, that could be a nice car. So I looked into it this morning and it was $25,000 to reserve it. So then I yeah. closed that tab. <laughs> Let me pull it up for those that are not uh, familiar with what we're talking about. This thing looks sick. It really, uh, yeah. I think it's, it's so sexy. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Like, yeah. They're only going to make like. That? 200 or something like that to begin with like $200,000. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 200,000. Look at that thing. That's gorgeous. (laughs) That's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. The design language that they use for this car is, is stunning. Stunning. Yeah. I'll never buy it because it's (laughs) $200,000, but it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Like this aesthetic could trickle into other areas, you know, like the, the Buick Wildcat. Can you look up another thing? Hopefully that'll trickle it. You know, these concept cars that are really outlandish. Um, Yeah. The roads to little brother. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think what's, what's interesting about the, what what y'all just talked about is that car ownership is such a uh, reflection of of people's individuality, right? It's, It's like, it's super subjective. It's like, it's what people like, like, Hey, I think that's beautiful. Like, I think that's, that's great. And other people don't. And I think yeah. sometimes that gets lost. Like I've seen that in the, in, the, in our community, in the Tesla community a little bit is that, you know, I think, I think some folks just get, uh, 
like they, they not, I don't want to use the word stuck, but I guess I'll use the word stuck. They get used, used, you know, they get stuck on the wall. Yeah, the supercharger network. Yes, you could you can make the argument that it's the best charging network. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Efficiency, yes. Performance, yes. Uh, software, yes. Like there, there's many different things that we can talk about that uh, the Tesla does does really well, but what it really comes down to is, is preference. And and Tesla can have a world where they can sell, you know. They can be ten. Even, let's just even call it twenty percent of the of the market in in a, in a very very uh, you know awesome scenario. That's still eighty <laughs> percent. Like Tesla can reach its yeah. its incredible lofty goals that the Tesla community think it can, and you still have a gigantic marketplace for for people that don't want that. That people yeah. people that want something else. And that's a beautiful thing about where we are now is like like Tesla can be quote unquote dominant, and there's still so much more market for everyone else. You know. Yeah. And that's yeah. a good place to be in. That's a great I, place to be in. That's where I'm like, uh, like I wish Tesla all the success that I you know, maybe in a Tesla, but you know, my next car, who knows? Right. Um, but there's also so much more room. It's like, I would yeah. be sad not to see the ID buzz on the road, you know, mm. me like, too, man. I, yeah. It's like, we sat in one at the uh, New York auto show and got to take a little tour of it. It's so cool. It's like, it's a freaking minivan that I want, which is <laughs> unreal. I know. Um, and again, it's like, I, I won't buy one, but if yeah. if we didn't see that on the road, I would like I like I I would be that would be a loss. We that want, doesn't make we it want to the this street. Interesting stuff, and Tesla doesn't have to make it. It doesn't have to make every car for everyone. We want every right. automaker to succeed and to bring new variety. Like variety, is so yes. great. These yeah. options. Another car that like we have no need for, and we were both like, but but could we use this for something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Cute. yeah, that's I remember when I saw the concept pictures for these the, this car like the I was like super deep into Tesla at that time and I saw this I'm like holy shit Volkswagen yes yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yes yeah. please quick yeah. bring this to market you know Yeah Yeah it's so yeah. Cool. And, I mean we like Colorado isn't as bad as California for you know the number of EVs on the road but it's getting up there and it's like or it's I, good or good, as good, yeah, yeah, yeah. As good. <laughs> as good as uh, California for the number of EVs, but it's still it's so much fun going down the road and going, you know, whatever it is, even from the yeah. Nero, like we saw E Nero uh, actually on the street right out by our house. I was like, oh my god, E Nero, and turning my neck. And then the other day we went and got coffee, and there was an original Tesla Roadster that I oh, took, I snapped yeah. a picture of. Nice. That was yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I love the variety. It, it, it reminds me, um, like a lot of people, especially like the Tesla community, because there's a lot of cool like raps and stuff that people do. And it's always, uh, you know, is it uh, dope or nope? And I'm always, <laughs> it's dope. Like, even if I don't like it, it's cool. Yeah. Like, that's an ugly, ugly color, but it's dope that you did that. Yeah. And by the way, someone's asking if uh, anyone's interested in Aptera, and I actually have a reservation. <laughs> because, nice. like, wow, that's so weird. Yes. <laughs> if that comes out on the market, yes, I want to drive that. That's weird. Yeah. You know, and it can get, I think, I think I reserved the 400 miles. It was a while ago. Yeah, look how weird that is. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> I love it. Great. Like, let's weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I think I think the other thing too is like you know you mentioned competition. Like competition is such a good forcing function for the consumer because now we benefit from that competition. You know, like yeah. like people that make the argument, you know, like 
there's an argument tesla has no competition okay cool but imagine like even in, in that world imagine if it did like how much better could tesla be and how much better could ford be and how much better could gm be and toyota like all these like you know imagine bringing up uh a you know f tesla bringing in the, the maquis and then they're like yo look at that. what it does better than the model y we need to get better at this we need to get i think it's such a great forcing function and then we as the consumers end up winning you know, it's such a beautiful thing that happens. It's it's really, really cool. Um, a couple co more questions, if I may, and I'm actually, I've been meaning to ask you this for, for a while. How, how have you seen the your immediate circle of like, say friends and family, like the people that you've sort of talked to, how has the, the, the tone changed around wanting to buy Vs? And you made a little bit, a little comment around that, but has that changed drastically in say the last two to three years? Have you noticed a, a big change? I think so. Um, I mean, part of it is that we're so vocal about it that people who <laughs> previously have access to easy information, because it's intimidating. And I think that was part of why, like Patrick started the channel by himself and then I got into it. And part of the fun is that it's so intimidating and it's so new and, you know, in the beginning. And like, I, I want to be able to be here to allow people to ask the questions that are stupid. There are no stupid questions. Like it's all new. We make mm -hmm. mistakes publicly on camera. We're very authentic in the learning process. And like, I think that the people around us saw that happening and started to realize that, oh, this is a resource. We can ask you guys questions. So we've had a lot of people more open to this, asking questions. We've had tons of friends now putting reservations in and saying, do you think I can get this? Like, can I put this in my house? How will I do it? Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, like it's just it's spreading. I'm sure you had that too. Like, hundred percent. Like everyone um, that wasn't into EVs is now in your community. Yeah, yeah. and we it, so two parts to this. Like, we have like uh, you know some friends that we're like super happy about that have been calling me and asking me about EV questions and solar questions, which I don't know enough about. But they just got their solar system installed, and now um, they have a reservation for F-150 Lightning. And they're waiting to be able to put their order in, but they're like, we're ready, we're ready to go. So it's like exciting to see that level of enthusiasm and, and you know, action. But uh, the frustrating part is we still have a lot of friends that complain about the cost of EVs and I can't afford an EV. I always buy used and I'm glad that the, the new tax credit has the $4,000 uh, credit for used EVs, although it destroyed some other credits for like the, the, the Korean companies, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but affordability is something that I'm, I'm hoping that Tesla and the other manufacturers start addressing. Uh, I know VW was even talking about like they're shifting more and more to higher end vehicles. And I'm like, I would love to be able to tell my friends that are looking to spend $25,000 for a car. Like there's so many different options and live as a fan of lower cost cars. And, and so. that's why like we're looking at a used EV, like an I three or something like that. Yeah. Uh, because it's like, we also want to prove like, yeah, you can do a, a lower cost. And, and also we're very city people. Like you've heard multiple times. We're not really into camping and all that. Uh, we right. do go on road trips and like the Maki is a very suitable road trip vehicle, but um, a lot of the driving that I do is around the city. It's like 10 miles here and there. So it, that's yeah. another segment of the market where we have uh, car makers pushing for a longer range and things like that. But, you know, hundred miles, making it more affordable, uh, more accessible to people, whatever it is. Um, that's, we need something more there. Like, 
Because yeah. what do we have now? The, the Mini Cooper SE, which is kind of like a, a quirky niche sort of thing. Yeah. Or the Bolt. But even that gets quite a bit of range. And and going back to lower costs, it also usually will result in lower range, which people are resistant to. But I think that helps our EV transition if we can get people out of the mindset of like, I got to try. Like, I'm not because one that I hear so often is like, I'm not buying an EV until it has 500 miles of range. I'm like, you're literally going to be carrying around thousands of pounds of battery. Yeah, and you're not going to use probably it. Probably use twice a year. Yeah. 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 It's such I'm, a different way of thinking about about like uh, distance, di- like distances, and and the the it's it's not intuitive. I think still for a lot of folks that a bigger range doesn't mean a better EV. Like your yeah. weight example is perfect. It's like for every additional mile of battery you're trying to add to the thing, there is the equation of it's heavier. And when it's heavier, it gets lower range. So you got to offset it with more batteries. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like spiral, you know? And the, yeah. the low range really has to be paired with an affordable price tag um, mm. for these city cars that we want a lot of people to be using, um, reducing emissions in the cities. That would be so great. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. brother, he ordered his Maki and, and, uh, he was debating whether to go for the extended range or the the standard range, and uh, it, it's. I, I I sort of talked to him and talked to like how he was going to use it, and he's like he's like, basically may go on a hundred mile each way trip in his Mach E that he's going to buy, but he's like if we're doing a longer road trip, we're going to take my wife's SUV, and uh, you know I'm not going to change his mind on that. That's what he and she are going to do. So I'm like, yeah, just go with the standard range. That's all you're doing. And he's like 90, he's retired. So he's like 95% of his trips are like five miles here and there. And I'm like, yeah, definitely just mm. let's go with the standard range. You'll be fine. And he has standard range rear wheel drive. So it's like still like 240 miles of range. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really hope um, the the scaling of the supply gets to a point where we have more and more companies that can create a f- true affordable EVs that the mass can can purchase. We're probably still, I was I'm gonna guess like two to three years out from that becoming a, a, a true reality, like the beginnings of that reality. Uh, but I'm hoping once it kicks into high gear, freaking kicks into high yeah. gear because a lot of people will really benefit from that. Um, the one thing, and, and maybe we'll, we'll use this topic to close out the stream. The 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 one thing that we haven't touched on yet that 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 I think are big topics, especially as it relates to uh, non Teslas, is uh, Blue Cruise and Electrify America. So tell us everything about that because I'm super interested to hear your uh, your uh, perspective. Yeah. Uh, let's do Electrify America first. Uh, we've had. A uh, hit or miss, like the, when we first got the Maki, it had plug-in charge, but it just did not work with Electrify America, uh, or it did, but it would error out. That was fixed after about the first month. Since then, it's, we've had uh, good good experiences mostly, although you know, like we're traveling routes and we plug in at like Green River, Utah. And there's four stalls, two are down. We're fine because we're the only car there. We get the you know one of the other two. Um, I have like a magic superpower, like I'll pull into a charging station and I will pull into the one that's not working, the one stall <laughs> not working. So I, I, I have had to move a few times. Um, and I have issues like with Electrify America, they do this thing, like they put the logo on the screen for like 30 seconds and then they put not available on the screen for 30 seconds. And I'm like, 
why? Like, could you just say not available so I don't get out? And like, as I'm walking to the station, I see that it's not working. But we've had really, really good experiences for the most part. Um, we've we've gone to San Diego. We did the the race to Vegas with Aldespec Studios, uh, Santa Fe. Um, pretty good, pretty good experience with Electrify America for us. Um, my my biggest issue with Electrify America isn't with them. Well, I guess it is. It's with all the deals they're doing with like BW and Polestar and Hyundai giving out free charging because like now we're starting to run into people and it's even more so in California where people have charging at home or they could charge at home, but it's like they don't because they have free charging and they're like clogging up the charging stations. So that's my biggest issue. Um, They're having some reliability issues. I know. um, And that's due to some part supplies. So uh, the main thing is, it's like, we need better coverage and we need more of them. And the four stalls is not going to be enough. They need to start expanding to six stalls, eight stalls. Mm-hmm. Um, Blue Cruise, uh, it's sort of weird because I don't like the naming of how they've done it because people confuse Blue Cruise with their uh, Copilot 360 um, stuff. But basically, it's been great. Like, uh, we we didn't get it until what was it? April, April April of this year. Uh, But before that we had the intelligent cruise control with lane centering, which is really sort of uh, description wise, similar to basic autopilot. Doesn't do lane Mm -hmm. changes um, and handles steering as long as it can detect lanes. That was okay. It does fairly well uh, on the freeways, but it was, you know, you go into some curves and it was choppy and, um, uh, not great on like country roads and stuff like that with, with a lot of curves, not great on, in most city type locations because it's not detecting stoplights and whatever. So I never didn't use it much for that, but on the freeway interstate, it was great. And then blue cruise took it up another level. I've been really happy with that. It does hands free, but to be honest, most of the time I rest my hand on the steering wheel anyways. Um, Sandy Monroe did a video and showing like, Oh my God, it canceled on a curve. It doesn't cancel. What it does is it just says, put your hands back on the steering wheel because it's a sharp curve. And mm. um, it, it's it's sort of, uh, and, and to be honest, I fault Tesla for this. of like getting everybody thinking of like the car drives itself. It's like the car doesn't drive itself. It may handle steering, but you're the driver, you know, mm-hmm. the driver's assistance. Every single system out there is a driver's assistance. You still need to be in control. So as we're going through like the Colorado mountains, it's super curvy, of course, on uh, I-70. Blue Cruise is on um, and it goes through the sharper curves and it's like, put your hands on the steering wheel. And I'm like, I understand the mentality is like, if it cancels for any reason, something clogs the camera or whatever, by the time you get your hands back up there, you're going to be into a wall. So it's like, put your hand on the steering wheel as we're doing this. It's still steering. It's still smooth. It's still, uh, you know, watching out in front of it and all of that good stuff. So we've been happy with it. Um, so as a good comparison for like an autopilot type system, it's great. Okay. Got it. Um, does, does Ford advertise it as hands-free or, or is it just a, uh, they do? Okay. Yeah, they um, do. It's, it's basically super cruise and blue cruise, super cruise from GM and, and Ford. They advertise it as hands-free and it's very clear when it's, it, it is in hands-free mode. Okay. That was going to be my follow-up question. Yeah. So it's, it's very clear. And what, what sort of 
like what a lot of people don't like about it is like when it reverts back to hands-on, it's very clear about it, but it doesn't make like an audible noise. And the, the reasoning is, I believe is, is that um, it's just like with autopilot, like you, you can go like 10 seconds, 15 seconds without your hands on the steering wheel. So it's like, Hey, put your hands on there. If you don't do it in that time, then it makes an audible noise. But a lot of people look at it as like, it switched off hands-free and didn't get an audible warning. And I'm like, yeah, because you, it, it's not like an alert where you have to grab it immediately. Um, one, one of the things I have to say that I, I like about Blue Cruise and the Intelligent Cruise Control the best, um, even though we have to handle our own lane changes, like, uh, you know, peons or whatever, <laughs> the way it does it, I think is, is great. And I've tried several like Rivian and whatnot. And the way, the way they do it, I don't like the way the, uh, Blue Cruise does it is great. It's like, so if I'm going down and I want to pass somebody, I turn on my blinker, it's giving me control. I change lanes. And as soon as I turn my blinker off, it's looking for the lane. And as soon as it detects the lane, it reactivates. So I don't have to like, you know, disengage, re-engage, disengage, re-engage. It does the re-engagement automatically. And I find it's like, it's a slight detail, but it's makes the experience way better. Got it. And I'm typically the passenger, by the way, someone, Baja Juicy said they hear blues, yeah. blues every time. I, I saw totally that. Do it too. <laughs> Thank you, so Baja funny. Juicy, by the way. $4.20 <laughs> super chat. Thank you. Very uh, appropriate. Like it. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, Liz, yeah. I, I, it took a while before you didn't say that too, Blues Cruise. But I'm normally the passenger. And I think that the cool thing is, is that when he's using Blue Cruise, <laughs> um, I don't notice. You know, the transition between intelligent cruise control, blue cruise or me driving or you actually driving. Yeah. Is uh, I can't tell as the passenger. It's very seamless. Um, occasionally I'll hear the ding that it's um, put your hands back on the wheel, whatever. Right. That That's when it cancels. When it, it cancels. Yeah. Um, I'll hear that. And then I'm like, oh, you haven't been driving for yeah. a while. You know, technically mm -hmm. <laughs> like the car has mm -hmm. been doing it. Um, but it looks like he is typically, you know, sometimes he'll sit with his hands off the wheel, but like typically he's got a hand on the wheel all the time and either the car mm -hmm. is assisting or not. Yeah. So it's quite comfortable. And, and it, one of the things that people have asked me, and this is like people that are just in general asking about, you know, they, they'll call it autopilot cause they don't know what it, you know, what it's called on Ford, but they're going like, does it drive itself? Does it have autopilot? Um, I don't get into explaining those details, but the next question is, is like, do you trust it? And um, I very clearly always say no. And people mm. are like, well, well, then why are you letting it do that? And I'm like, no, the, the whole goal is, is you're not supposed to trust these systems. Unless it's level five where you don't need a steering wheel, you're not supposed to trust any of these systems. So um, I have my hand on the steering wheel. I'm doing my best to pay attention um, when I see traffic slowing down, I don't sit there and go like, ah, it has it. I'm just going to like fold my arms right. and like my foot gets near to break and my hands go back to the right position, you know? Um, yeah. So I, th I think that's one of the things I, I sort of look at it as a different um, than a lot of people that don't experience it and think it's like, oh, it's driving for you. I'm like, no, nope. it's you're yeah. driving and you don't trust the system. Yeah, it's it's funny because anytime I have a passenger in mind and I have like uh, autopilot or full self driving on there, 
they're saying, oh, so you can take a nap and just, you know, fall asleep and it'll take you. I'm like, bro, no, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's a reason why I'm paying attention to the road is because I, I need, I'm still responsible for the car. Like, yeah, it's doing, you know, the car's doing most, if not all of the driving for me, but at any point something can happen and I need to take over because I'm ultimately responsible for the car, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's been such a fascinating thing to watch. And, uh, I'm curious how, how do you see Ford sort of evolving this over time? Do they have plans to make this into a level four, level five system over time? Have they said anything about that? I mean, they're working with Mobileye they're, uh, and Argo AI. So they're, I know they're doing a ton of research. I think all companies are. Uh, Tesla is the most out front with their AI day and whatnot of telling exactly what they're doing. Uh, and, and Ford, uh, whether it's better or worse or, you know, uh, working with partners, um, I think it's, it's it's worse because there is not they're not in control of like the entire stack, but it's better because like Mobileye is collecting data from BMW, Mercedes, GM, and they're they're building a better system using a lot more data. So there's there's pros and cons to their approach. Um, so I know that you know like GM is with their Super Cruise has just went from like a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand to like four hundred thousand miles of roads that you can go hands-free on blue cruises at a hundred thousand miles. I don't know if they are, I, I, I believe that's, you know, the ultimate goal. I don't believe they are as uh, ambitious as Tesla is, as trying to say like this year, next year or whatever. I think mm-hmm. they are more of the, um, we're researching and that's our goal and maybe they have internal timelines, but nobody's, you know, said anything, you know, publicly about that. Got it. And then uh, a question about the Electrify America network. So when when you do see another car at these chargers, is it usually another Mach-E or is it a mix of different cars? Definitely a mix. Definitely yeah. a mix. Okay. And, it's, and that's where it's like... Uh, Drive me you nuts. <laughs> most of the time, well, most of the time it's the, the ones having free charging. Like when we're on road yeah, trip, yeah. like, okay, we're yeah. out in the middle of nowhere. You're, you're obviously not doing free charging. But like when we were in uh, Vegas or San Diego or LA, it's filled up with... VWID fours and uh, Ionic fives, and uh, we we did see one here locally recently. We're like, hey, we're, you know, we're are you, are you on a trip or something like that? And he goes, no, I'm just running up to Boulder, and uh, I don't I don't charge at home unless I have to because it's free here. Yeah, right. Or I right, met right. A, a couple in an ID four, and they had a Rivian at home, and they were from New York, but they were doing a road trip in their ID four because free charging. Um, and then we see a lot of. No, near, uh, do we see Nero's? No. Well, actually, we, yeah, we see a lot of Nero's around here. Because, but I wasn't sure if it was just Electrify America because I think they have a partnership with EVgo. Oh, yeah, right? that's an EVgo. Yeah, so I think we see them more at EVgo. It's definitely, I think, the partnerships that you see those, those EVs more in those areas, which is why it's such a bummer that Ford doesn't have one. When we, <laughs> when we do see a Mach-E, we get a little bit way too excited. excited. Um, (laughs) I've started this thing now. Um, Can you hand me, please? Thank you. I want to like, so that we have a really fantastic community. By the way, shout out to Zygma, who's in your chat and who is now a new subscriber, I believe. Um, They're a Maki owner. He actually made a 3D printed Maki and has the SDL out there for people to use, or sorry, a pony. Um, Really cool dude, been chatting here and seems to really enjoy your community. Um, yeah, so the market community is really great. 
And I've wanted to do something for people when I see that they have a Maki. So my new thing is I have little My Little Pony stickers. So (laughs) so I woke over and I say, I like your pony. And then I'll give them a My Little Pony sticker. (laughs) So actually that 65 Mustang this weekend, the electrified one, I went over and I said, I like your pony. And they stuck it. They stuck a My Little Pony on it. (laughs) That is so awesome. That is so cool. I love that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is a uh, one thing I know the as it relates to charging. I know Tesla's been talking about potentially opening up the supercharger network for other uh, automakers. How, how? What do you guys think about that? Uh, depends on how they implement it, and depends on if we get our car vandalized when we're charging Ooh. at a supercharger. <laughs> Ooh, I don't think about that. Um, okay. No, so it's uh, you know, more options are are better. Um, I know like the routes that we have taken have been fairly well covered by Electrify America. So I don't know if I would be like, Oh, well, let me stop at the supercharger across the street from the EA station. Uh, but it would give me peace of mind. So for example, between uh, Grand Junction, Colorado and Salida, Utah, everybody has to stop in Green River, Utah, um, whether you're Tesla or uh Thank you. <laughs> At least Baja Juicy is not. <laughs> uh, Tesla and uh, every non-Tesla has to stop in Green River, Utah to charge. And everybody, I think, no matter you know which one you have, your nightmare is like if that station is out, there's nothing around it. Like I think it, going west, there's like the next closest station is like 120 miles or something like that. So everybody has to stop there. Um, it would be fantastic to say like, oh, shoot, EA's down. Let's go over to the supercharger or vice versa. Um, that I know uh, last year, right after we went through Utah, the Beaver uh, supercharger was down. So there was like people waiting for two or three hours because they, they the entire intersection basically lost power. The gas stations, the supercharger, everything lost power. One exit down was an EA station that people could have used. So um, I know people that have the the CCS adapter for their Tesla, they would be set, you know, and that's the type of thing is like, we need to all be, you know, all have multiple options because if it's a gas station that's out of service, you just go down to block, you know, with whatever charge. So I'm excited. Um, I, you know, if, if we have to pay a, a, an extra fee or extra rate, like that's fine. You know, uh, I just want to not have to worry about it anywhere and it would open up some some places for us because uh like right now ea only has like one station up in utah uh wyoming they're opening up five more at some point soon Mm -hmm. but right now if i want to go uh up to cheyenne wyoming and then you know west to uh, california which we did in 2018 i can't do that in the maquis but if the supercharger network were there i could yeah yeah and i think as we were talking before around scaling and ensuring that there's enough like like cheaper vehicles down the road for people boy does that does charging become a thing that we need to really address right to ensure that if people really want to take those long distances like we have to make sure as a community that we have that network that we have that infrastructure uh because that's only going to speed up the adoption you know if people have the peace of mind that they can travel anywhere and they're they're not going to run into something in a situation where there aren't enough stalls or they don't have enough options to ensure that they complete their trip, then that becomes a gating factor for people. But if, if we ensure that's there, then we have a, a recipe for awesomeness in the future. So I, somebody um, wrote an article about this. I, sh- I wish I recalled who it was, but they said, it's like, um, not only do we need charging 
at like the essential routes where we need to get places, but they're like, as far as for the EV adoption, like we need them in those out of the reach places that uh, like they gave the example, like when you're driving in the foothills of, of uh, California and the Sierra Nevada to see like a charging station, because all of a sudden it clicks. It's like, Oh, there's a charging station. And, right. it, and that's something I think that Tesla and EA and EVgo could do a better job of because I get so many people that go, well, what if you go skiing? Where are you going to charge? And then I show them the map. And I'm like, look at all these little charging stations up there. And they're like, really? I've never seen a single one. And I'm like, that's because it, it doesn't say like Exxon with a big thing <laughs> right. or attached to it. And some of them are just single units. Like even just the fact that around our area at the the pound, the the dog, what's it called? Dem- the shelter, the Denver, the Denver Dumfries oh, yeah, yeah. dog shelter, yeah. there's a charger there, a free charger. At some restaurants up the road, there's a free charger. So also the, the expansion to um, these less powerful chargers. Um, I mean, we have so many options in the city. We need those 50, every 50 miles on the highway. Yeah. So yeah. many, so many things need to be filled in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Patrick Liv, thank you so much for making the time and coming on the live stream with me and speaking about uh, really everything EV. I thought it was an awesome discussion. I got to learn a lot about about the Mach-E and, and sort of the your, your side of things as far as uh, how you're viewing the the EV sort of industry. What's, what's What I found really interesting that we have a lot of like common thoughts around where we're going and it's really cool to share. Like I was, I had a lot of fun sharing my passion for EVs. Uh, I hope you had the same uh, experience as well, but um, maybe for, for the viewership, uh, any last words and make sure you plug your channel, your, your Twitter for those that, uh, that, uh, haven't, you know, joined us from the beginning. And I put your stuff in the description as well. So if you want to take a, a few seconds to plug that, that'd be awesome. I mean, I'll pop in and say, thank you so much for having us. I didn't know what to expect, but you are awesome. I appreciate your support of all EVs and your community is obviously really fantastic, like really cool people. And I think you're right. We have a lot of overlap and there's something we have this little tagline that I say at the end of every video, and it is whatever you drive, enjoy the ride. Cause that's yes. truly how we feel. It doesn't matter. We're all supporting EVs. It's this is a hard transition. There's a lot of complication. That's why we can have these conversations. And uh, we support all of it. So it's so cool to be here and be be able to see your community. Yeah. And I, I know we didn't get to a lot of the questions and yeah. comments. Uh, we'll try yeah, to yeah. in to the comments below after this is over. But if anybody needs to contact us, we are on Twitter and Instagram. It's uh, Machi Vlog, M-A-C-H-E underscore blog or, or Google us. Um, send us an email. If you have questions, like we're, we're completely open and authentic. We'll tell you what we don't like about the Machi and what we do like. But um, we're all, you know, on Team EV supporting the mission just in a little bit different way. So we had a fantastic time. This was really great. And I love all of the comments that we've gotten. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much. And Absolutely. we are it's my if you didn't know, if you just yes. joined us, there we are. <laughs> Maki vlog. There it is. <laughs> Go subscribe. No, I honestly I yeah, the, the viewership, the comment section, that's one of the things that I really, I'm very thankful to, to really, there's a lot of positivity in the comments every time I go live. And I'm just so thankful for that. You know, it's like, I, I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And, and I'm, and I'm happy to hear that it made you feel comfortable. And uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate everybody. Go subscribe to their channel, Maki Vlog, uh, hit them up on their comments, hit them up on Twitter. Thank you all so much. And then live, use your tagline to get us out of here. I love that. Go, go just for it. Just remember that whatever you drive. Enjoy the ride. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much. (laughs) Peace out, everybody. Awesome. (laughs) Beautiful.